tell them here and let them be Well, I got something deep inside of me I can't hide it anymore It needs to be so free There's no Welcome to the show. Uh, my guest today in the the belly of the beast is a, an old friend of mine. Uh, I will explain who he is, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This is Carlos Collard. <laughs> Hello. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I like belly of the beast. That sounds sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we we are currently in an undisclosed location, enjoying. Uh, like a 73 ingredient <laughs> smoothie that Carlos has just made uh fitness and health important to the man and we're enjoying we were enjoying it prior to the taping uh Carlos is a he's probably one of my I actually I think he's probably the only friend I have that's in more of the kind of public service local government space uh he's he he's done a lot of work for the city of Los Angeles and city of Santa Monica in that capacity uh, as far as public service. He's done uh, international hosting uh, as well as a more recent uh, project of his. He's done work with uh, Foster Youth. So uh, he, you know, affectionately, those of us in the Carlos circles has referred to him as Mr. LA for his knowledge of Los Angeles. But I'm going to reveal the true origin of his nickname was because back in the day in our, our undergraduate life, Carlos took the bus everywhere. And that, that was simply why we called him Mr. L.A. as he knew the bus routes very well. Out of necessity. Didn't have a car and I was coming from, uh, you know, coming from the desert at the time to L.A. Um, and so... Uh, didn't have the means to buy a car yet, so I had to figure out how to get around, and that's how I learned about um, a lot of the city by looking out of a bus window or talking to people on the bus. Uh, yeah, and and of course, being undergrads, we, we made fun of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but you've since embraced the Mister LA name, and uh, you you ended up working for the city and also for Santa Monica, and you've done numerous public service, nonprofit work, uh, been out in the world. Uh, so yeah, so that this will be interesting because, um, you've definitely someone I know that talks to people all the time, uh, and also has shared your life story, uh, in when you, you've spoken in front of students, you speak in front of foster kids, like you've done all this stuff. So I think I think generally tell, telling a story to people is like no big deal for you. Uh, but in this case, I've asked that you shared something you've never talked about before, <laughs> which may throw like a, a wrench in yeah. your, your usual, you know, presentation skills and, and how you have, how, how you kind of work. Uh, I mean, I'm asking you to tell a candid personal story that I've never known either. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned, um, one of the things I give back to or, or 
people I work with are, are foster youth. And, um, you know, that I, I was one, I, I was a foster youth in LA County, which is something, you know, for as long as we've known each other, you've just known that maybe in the last 10 years or so. And maybe eight years, I think something around those lines. Yeah. It's not, I mean, Right, like the origin of our friendship is pro wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that carried like a decade right. <laughs> before, like I actually knew something deeper about you, or like yeah. you know, or like a very personal, like your actual origins. I knew you at the high school in, the, in like the yeah. Palm Springs desert area, but you know, yeah, only recently it was knowing your background as a foster kid. Yeah, it's something that I didn't share at all with people, um, just out of insecurity not being ready to talk about it um early on in life being embarrassed um uh about that but um you know that's now i talk about it all the time right and so um you know it's uh it was inter- i was trying to figure out what am i what am i going to what am i going to talk about because usually before you know that would have been probably this the the topic of today you know oh my background in foster care but it's not um because i've done it so much now i've i yeah you know, i realize that that's you know hopefully by sharing that story um that's helped out some other you know youth who've been like me i feel i mean i've, I've gone to some of your some of the events that you've been a part of and i, I would say yes you know, yeah. the impact that you've had as far as just sharing. Uh, yeah, it's just like, it was kind of interesting. Like they see you, you know, as like functioning in the world and a professional, working professional and that there's like a sort of inspiration there. Yeah. You know, or like uh, an admiration, like a respect, like, oh, that's cool. Like he, he did it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for those words. Um, I, well, you know, the, the, the main reason why I'm, uh, you know that I, I think it's that's led to me being able to be in the position I am now to um, give back to do all these things that I do is because of the foster parents that I had, um, uh, Donald and Beverly Collard. They grew up in uh, rural Michigan, so they were both born during the Great Depression. And they lived in this town called Owasso, Michigan. Um, I think the closest, biggest city is Flint. And, um, you know, they uh, were, came from this background where, you know, it was more about work than maybe seeking an education. And my dad finished high school and my mom actually did not. And they got married right out of high school. He joined the army and served during the Korean War. And uh, after that, they came back and, or he came back and um, they had three three kids okay. born during the 50s. And they moved from Michigan, just, uh, I think it was like late 50s, early 60s. California was the land of good weather and op- different opportunities and they mm-hmm. came out here and that's where they discovered foster care okay and they did that for over 25 years fostered over 25 200 kids wow and 
they adopted their first two in the 60s. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, I guess the easiest way to describe it is as a multi, uh, interracial adoption. Um, they're Caucasian, the, and the other, the, their first two that they adopted um, are not. So they were, wow. you know, both Latino mixed, you know. So that was a big deal back then um, for them to for that to happen um right and then four of us in the 80s were uh adopted as well and so that just to give background to the story i'm about to share that's that's that was my that's my family you know basically nine kids total yeah growing up at different times right um so here we are in the 80s and you know the all the older ones have moved on they've gone on to different things in their lives started their own families right um, right become adults and so i'm in the house and i'm considered the oldest of the remaining four okay so although i'm not old the oldest and the nine i'm you know number six but i was always considered the oldest because of just the, how we were you know living at the time the others were the other five were out of the house yeah the adults other, right yeah, yeah okay so um you know my so i mentioned over 20 200 kids over 25 years the um you know that's not easy no uh but it's also not easy because of the systems you have to my mom would probably use the word fight against. In fact, she would. Um, they specialized they in taking care of kids who needed the most help. So a lot of them had, um, you know, physical um, challenges, emotional. They come with emotional um, challenges, you know, coming from very hard situations where they may have been harder to place than other children. Right. And so, yeah. Um, but my parents, and you mentioned, you know, they public service is my background. I think this is where I was influenced by them because they were, because of what, how they had to advocate for um, the children they were watching, the children that they were responsible for, um, you know, encountering people who would always maybe try to shortcut things or shortchange them or not want to give, um, not want to uh, provide something that that youth is entitled to. Yeah. Um, so from that, here I am, you know, we were in Covina. This is Covina where we first lived in LA County. Then we moved on to Yucaipa, which is like the far fringe east of the Inland Empire. Okay. This was in, um, we moved on in 1988 in the middle of my fourth grade year, which was very sad. I remember crying because I did not want to move. Yeah. Uh, that's Palm Springs-ish. Yucaipa is, or no? thinks the biggest is San Bernardino is would be the nearest okay. big city. <clears throat> Um, Redlands is maybe okay. known also. All these years, I thought you were 
from Palm Springs Desert Desert. No, no, no. But then after Yukaipa, I went to Yucca Valley. That's oh, sorry. What you thinking. Sorry, so, I, yeah. I jumped ahead. I ju- <laughs> sorry, I jumped ahead. Sorry. Um, but yeah, Yucca Valley came after that. Joshua Tree is the biggest known place now. It's very popular. Um, but yeah, I was in the high desert, as we would call it. Okay. For four years, uh, not four years, six years, junior high and high school. Oh, I see. But okay. getting back to the Yukaipa part, <clears throat> so that's when my parents stopped. They stopped being foster parents. Okay. Once they moved from LA County, they were done. You know, they're in their, um, at this point in their lives, they would have been, let me see, maybe, uh, yeah, in their 60s. Okay. So that just to give you some frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, or let me think. I'm sorry. No, uh, they would have been in their late 50s at that time. Um, mid late fifties. So moved to Yukaipa looking for, um, you know, slower pace, retired, more rural, kind of going back to the Owasso, Michigan roots, I guess you could say. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we grew up in a, in Covina, we lived in a, uh, we lived right across the street from a Methodist church and that's the church that we would attend. Um, you know, it was understood that, hey, we need, we need to go to church. Um, but, you know, uh, it wasn't something that was, um, they forced on their, you know, older kids. They decided, you know, go your own path. But as long as you live at home, you, you're going to go to church. Okay. And so, uh, you know, they had a strong, uh, I guess, center of 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 faith and that leads to this story in Yukaipa. Okay. So Yukaipa, um I'm in middle uh what fifth grade there, yes. During my fifth grade during fifth grade um there are these books that were assigned you know, assigned reading and I remember the name of the book. It's called Impressions. And I just remember some, like, strange face or some design on the front of the book. But these books, I don't recall how my family um, learned of the content inside of them. Because I was always very, like, independent in terms of my academics because um i pretty much had to do things on my own without their help given where they came from their in their educational background okay right right so i was always self-driven and i liked excelling in school and so you know i wouldn't just go around showing them the stuff i'm working on but somehow they got a hold of it i don't know how or maybe from another peers um classmates uh parents or guardians whoever anyway they took issue with these books um Mm. they uh they saw them as i guess anti-christian um they saw them as destructive there's this one line i always recall hearing 
and you know my mom saying that oh these books they you know when she was telling other people about them they tell you to hate your mom and hate your 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 father and hate this and hate that and it what yeah it's i don't and this is like the regular curriculum this is not something you know maybe it was just for our fifth our fifth grade class or yeah. Um, this wasn't something that I just picked up on my own, you know, it was like given to at least our class and maybe other fifth grade. I'm not sure. The weird, yeah, sorry, keep going. That's, just, <laughs> that's weird. Like what? And, you know, for my mom to be quoting, I'm like, I don't think she's making that up. So maybe it's in there. I, you know, I, yeah, I have a, a blank. I just don't have any memory of these like precise words, but that statement being said over and over um so my parents were well we're gonna we're gonna go to the school and and do something about this okay and it wasn't just them they there were other people who felt the same that these were bad this was you know this is bad literature what are you doing to giving this to children so yeah but it's my Mom particularly was, I think, more of the um, the lead voice. Okay. Um, again, going back to this, her advocacy for foster youth. She was actually president of a foster uh, foster parent association. She went to D.C. at one time to speak about foster care, some kind of conference. So this was just kind of like innate for her. Yeah. If something's wrong, you you go and do something about it. You don't sit back. You actually talk to these people behind these doors or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of mentality. Um, so that's what they did with the school. And they actually, I guess the school, from what I recall, was not, maybe they didn't, I, no, I, they didn't abide by this, these complaints. They was like, well, we don't see anything wrong with them. So I remember this other scene from my, you know, this is like 1989, I want to say. So it was like fifth grade for me. The other scene is the lo- the news, like actually this network, LA network news, going out and covering these people protesting outside of the school, oh. walking with signs and chanting and yeah, and one of those persons. I know it was my mom. I don't know if my dad was there, but my mom was definitely, you could see her in this oh, crazy. shot of this coverage of this story. Yeah, yeah. You know, this wasn't like a desert story in some, de- this was like being covered by NBC, LA, or, you know, right. one of these out here. Right. And so they said, well, you know what? We're just going to take you out of this school. Oh, wow. <laughs> And just to give people point of reference on this, this is something that I really had to think about, like, what am I going to talk about? And I'm like, wow, you know, I was traveling abroad recently and, you know, explaining to people um, that, you know, they were asking questions about my life. Yeah. And a friend in Poland, to be precise, you know, just kind of getting to know you more type thing mm-hmm. on a deeper level. I'm like, wow, you know what? Like, this is something that will, pr- 
I should talk because I don't talk. I've never talked about this. So just to give people who will be listening, like I've never talked about this um, at length. So anyway, back to the story. Even to me. Yeah. Like you, you were uh, in my wedding. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, I have no idea. This is... We've played WCW against the world or where we're together. How could I not tell you this? <laughs> what, what, what was that? PlayStation one or something. What was or that? N64 maybe. What was, it might have been. What was that? To, yeah. Anyways, uh, so okay. So geometric they, characters. I hated those guys. Remember the N sixty four, the first one. They were so geometric. <laughs> oh God! It was like, what kind of technology is? It? Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so okay. So they. Wow. Okay. So school protests. School doesn't swap out these really offensive books, uh, and then they pull you out of school. Fifth grade. Yeah. Okay. So they pulled me out of school. Um, what was the plan? Well, there wasn't, I don't think, another elementary school that was close. I, maybe they assessed that. Or, you know, again, I was, uh, um, you know, where I could go to school, like take the bus and go to school. I don't think that was an option. So they chose, well, we'll homeschool you. Oh, what? <laughs> I didn't know that. It was getting crazy. Okay. And so, you know, this is how strongly they felt about these these books. And um, I'm like, homeschool? I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoy going to school. I loved it. I loved, I was very um, social, despite being shy and awkward at the same time. But I always made it seem like a lot of friends with classmates and... Um, uh, I did well in school. I like playing sports, mm-hmm. but I'm like, oh, I'm not going to school. Well, oh, hey, that could be good. Being at home and maybe still seeing friends, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that started. Um, the uh, curriculum and others followed suit. I wouldn't say followed suit. Maybe it was decided, or however they found this resource. There are other parents who did the same. Mm. And so there was this curriculum that they found that was, um, you know, Christian-based. Okay. And I remember a series of, you'd get a series of these maybe mailed to you. It was, um, you know, just your general subjects. Yeah. And this was during, so here I am starting this stuff. You know, um, and I, I guess had to set my own schedule, you know, like I, and, and it wasn't, I was basically teaching myself again, going back to that, um, you know, maybe my parents not being able to help me in with school as much as, right. You know, maybe others could have, um, and you know, I would get things done very quickly mm-hmm. while CNN is on because this is the time during the Gulf War. Also, I remember a lot of the Gulf War at the time. Okay, the first Gulf War. Um, and you know, my parents thinking that, wow, like, what a big waste of, by going to school. Like you're doing all this stuff in a few hours when it takes them all day. Right. Right. Um, 
<clears throat> and we would also meet with the other kids who were doing this. We'd have these meetups, like a picnic at oh, a park okay. or whatever. Yeah. So there'd be still some of that social interaction. And that was actually for my whole sixth grade. I for, was... Oh, for like a year. In yeah. this. Wow. Right. Um, at the time, I didn't feel like I was, you know, isolated in any way. Yeah. Um, maybe because I had my parents around, because they were retired. They weren't working. Yeah. And I would do this stuff at the kitchen table. Um, and just, okay, here's one assignment done. Here's another one. And, uh, you know, and it, it, it just, that's how it went. It, it wasn't, um, hmm. was I doing it correctly? I, yeah, I think they gave us like answer books too. Yeah, I do remember that. So I could double check my work that way. So I was basically on autopilot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when it was time to, for junior high, seventh grade, you know, I did, I ended up, you know, now to, we, we are in, uh, uh, I get, this is still Yukaipa. Um, I started a new school, and those books are long gone, but that reintegration into seventh grade was kind of, was, was weird. Right, because you, you've been out. People were wondering, well, where, where have you been? You know, I lost touch with a lot of people. I, I didn't realize that. Right. It's not like we had the technology to stay in touch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't talking on the phone to students, to my peers back then. There were sure. some friends, but, you know, but so I, I was really disconnected. And I also, um, s- felt that I think my, my learning was a little stunted by that. Okay. Uh, because I, I know when I started getting back into school, um, you know, it seemed like my math was behind, like I, I, you know, I was kind of teaching myself, right? So, right, right. Um, you know that that was like an immediate challenge because I wasn't, um, I don't know, maybe at the same level or how I don't know what it was, but it wasn't something that had uh, uh, developed. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, I felt the impact of that even getting into like eighth grade high school. You know, still not I was not like as right. sharp in that area because of missing that. Say so, yeah, missing that one year, but doing that year in a different or an alternative way. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's like the the one year of homeschool, but it's like, uh, um, it, uh, can I ask some questions? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I think what's interesting with the story is that I, I know you as a basically an adult, right? And then I've known you since undergrad. So, like, I see like connections. Like, I see how this experience could certainly influence you, though it's only like essentially a year and a half of your life. 
but a very formative period. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, you're young, you know, that then you see your mom being civically minded and not like, uh, not like, like as an adult, we probably are like, you know, they probably kept those textbooks cause it was easy. The curriculum's already built. Yep. They don't have to buy new stuff. They don't have to redo the lesson plans. Right. So if you have someone coming in trying to like, be like, no, these are not kosher, but like these books are not right. They still maybe won't care. Cause like we already got our stuff going and you know, we don't want to change the boat. Right. But then, you know, your, your mom was civically minded and, and pulled you out. Um, and I certainly can see you today. You've always been very active in civic matters and, and always, you know, promoting social causes and pointing out injustices. Um, can I mention your presidency? Sure. <laughs> you, you are a former president of uh, what the California Youth Connection, right? Yeah, which is CYC. a foster youth organization. Your mom was president of her local yeah kind of a full circle moment there which i you know wouldn't have thought about um but it's kind of like do you think about i guess as you're thinking about the story do you do you think about how like that that one year and a half of your life basically sort of in a way shaped a lot of what you do now yeah you know thinking about this i i see that um i I think it's they they had you know good intentions. Hey, get get our son away from these bad books. Um, uh, and thinking that homeschool was the option, the right way to do it, but then maybe not having the experience or the background to right maybe help as like. You know, I guess teachers. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'm always been pretty good about learning things on my own. But, uh, you know, I think that was um, definitely uh, a challenge, not having that 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 resource. Um, and, you know, maybe kind of solidified my path post that and going into high school and knowing that, hey, if you're going to go to college, you're going to have to figure this stuff out on yeah. your own. And that's, you know, that's what I did ultimately. Um, but, uh, so also, I was also going to say like, you know, it's a moment where you had to deal with adversity, but maybe you're not old enough to even know what that is. You're just presented with this situation where all of a sudden you're at home now and then you have to kind of, maneuver around and still you know and you you said you were self-driven so you had to figure out a new way to navigate yeah schooling uh, and i'm trying to remember if i myself protested and did all this stuff when i was we moved during the middle of fourth grade like i said earlier, yeah yeah crying and no why why you know my friends i i was worried about my friends i'm not going to see them anymore so did that play out the same way two years later like did I resist this homeschool I see I don't even remember I remember resisting in fourth grade very clearly I don't mm -hmm. want to move this is stupid being you know yelling yeah um and then it happens but then it happened yeah and right. I, I mean I don't I don't know I I I feel like I must have 
<laughs> yeah. But maybe because Yukaipa was still so new. I mean, I had friends, but maybe I didn't feel an attachment because I was... Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Kavina. I'd lived there eight years, you know, been with the same kids leading up to that point. And maybe it was like a way of saying, hey, I can uh, have fun. Be, I'll take have school at home. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see that. But uh, let me, uh, yeah, let me, yeah, we're, we're going to start to to wind down. But I, I did want to ask um, what. Yeah, why, why was this story kind of a buried memory for you? Like, why, why, why haven't you really even shared it till like literally now? You know, like, have you thought about that? Yeah, you know, probably I would say, probably thinking back, you say I was probably not proud of this moment. Oh, I went to homeschool and was good in the sense I spent time with my parents. I learned a lot about CNN's coverage of the Gulf War, you know? <laughs> right. But it might have set me back a little bit academically. Sure. And uh, it, I was isolated. I remember just being reintegrated into school was tough because I felt like, oh, here's a guy. Where did he go? He disappeared. And I'm like, as a 13, 12-year-old, am I going to say, oh, well, my parents, they were, they hated the book. That's why I disappeared. And they have to get in all that. On top of now, you know, getting free lunches in school because my we were a low-income family. Uh-huh. On top of, you know, going, if you ever, you know, anyone ever had to do that, I mean, at this school was you stand in line like you're you know like any other kid and you have to give them a number mm. and you say your number they check you off and then that's how you get your lunch that's how a free lunch was given um so you know i always would do that as slyly and quietly as i could right you're right i didn't want people to know i was getting free lunch so that on top of those questions, why don't you look like your parents? Who are they? They don't look like you. Are those your grandparents? Like, right? Mm. Those things. Oh, geez. It's just yeah. like another thing to explain. And maybe I buried it right now. Yeah. I. But I know, yeah, I wasn't particularly proud or happy of that, that occasion looking back. Because maybe that's another, I'm sure that's another reason. It's like, oh, it took me away from all these people. Yeah. Not forget about the academic thing, like being kind of put back, um, set back. But I was like, I'm a very social person. I like learning from people, talking to them, and you know, it just I I wouldn't want to do that to anyone myself. So I I just that's those are the reasons why I likely buried this. Yeah, but the yeah, I mean that that certainly makes sense knowing kind of how you are um also i think it's interesting where you know we can look at it in this moment uh you know as adults and it's kind of like the whole you know you see your parents as just like this sort of in a way one-dimensional figure as like they're they are parents and their job is to parent you but then in this moment though you're 
mom was parenting you, it was in a way also an act of like, you know, uh, social consciousness or like she didn't agree Mm -hmm. with the curriculum of the system of the school because the messaging was really didn't make sense to her and other, other parents apparently. And, and then the school wouldn't change right there for whatever reason, uh, they wouldn't unwilling to consider changing out the lesson plans. And so she just took you out of the situation, you know, which is sort of, it's like a parenting, it's like beyond a parenting move. You know what I mean? It's like an act of like, (laughs) <laughs> going against the system you know in a way uh and like maybe puts your mom in a different light as like not just a mom but like a i guess like a citizen well, of the community you know what i mean like a yeah um and you know i you know this is uh reference my background i mean just to give people context the reason why i'm here is she did they my parents did the extreme very bold, very, um, you know, loving action of when I was in foster care, I was taken by my biological mom and then they went to, my foster parents went to go find me in Mexico and bring me back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's another, you know, bigger story, but, you know, that action. um, That one's a known story. That one's a known one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one's a known known story about you, yeah. Um, And seeing not only that action with me, the homeschool, take him out of school, protesting these books, but knowing when, like, my brother and sister were being slighted because they would go what at the time called special education, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and sometimes my parents felt like, hey, they're not teaching you guys. I'm going to go up there and speak my mind and get on them about it. And it was always... Mm. They were always doing those kind of things. You know, this was just part of what, you know, just who they were. Um, standing up for people, standing up for what they believed in. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I guess now as an adult, you can kind of see that, but maybe growing up, it's just, that's just how they do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, they, that's just what they do. Um, and that was an example of that, right, with me. But, you know, I think. I mean, I buried it for those reasons because I felt maybe ashamed by it. But oh. it's one action. I mean, that one of these actions and a string of actions they did to, again, like when they, uh, you know, they were strongly connected to their beliefs, to helping people, to giving them uh, people treated fairly, people who get, getting what they what they are what they should have yeah um it's you know it it just had unintended consequences at least because i lived it and it felt like it did set me back in a couple ways um so let me uh let me close with this one that i do i do ask this a lot but i I always find it to be illuminating uh or like you know it's a good question um yeah how do you i mean you just maybe you don't have time to process it yet, but like, how do you feel now? You just shared a story that basically, you know, the, the millions of people that are going to hear this, <laughs> uh, hundreds of millions, uh, you know, will hear the story and you know that this will be heard. Uh, how do you, how do you feel now that you've just kind of said it? Yeah. I mean, 
this is an interesting, I mean, like I said, I'm literally saying this for the first time, you know, at this kind of these, you know, this, uh, level of, of depth, I guess. And, uh, I feel that, um, it's not something to be embarrassed about. It's just another yeah, story of my parents and their, you know, convictions. Um, uh, and, you know, them being the type of people who always welcomed anyone wherever they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may seem like maybe on the surface that, oh, well, they were like super hardcore Christian people who were forcing these things. They actually weren't. Um, they were definitely Christian. You know, they, they yeah. have, you know, they were, uh, I guess, strongly centered in their faith, but at the same time, they welcomed everyone. They they treated everyone with respect. They weren't trying to, like, step on anyone else's boundaries. They were just loving people who um, did what their heart told them to do. Mm-hmm. Whether that's helping, like, you know, taking me out of school or going up to uh, the principal's office to yeah. complain about my, you know, my siblings in, in alternative education, like not getting what they deserve or going up to like a doctor's office saying, hey, you didn't do this. I mean, this was, this was just, this was just, that's part of their DNA and you know it's like uh, we they've touched many lives in a lot of different ways they influence people to become foster parents they influence people to be to adopt children yeah and I think um, uh, again just meeting people where they were like not you know knowing if someone was struggling hey come have dinner at our place or come stay at our home you know those kind of things and uh, they um they welcomed any everyone and didn't force anything upon anyone anybody. Yeah. Again, meeting people where they were, but being right. Uh, fighting for those who um, were less empowered. Yeah, and I and I can see you know how that really has you know shaped your professional life and kind of the work that you do with a lot of social work public work you've done work with foster youth as well so it's it's kind of like uh yeah i yeah i think that memory should be looked at with a little bit of a i don't know happy spirit like a, like, a, <laughs> like it's certainly shaped you in a positive way ultimately though at the time perhaps it was difficult yeah to kind of go through but then now as an adult you're like oh there's some things in there that like I still utilize now, maybe not consciously, but it's there. Yeah, I see that. Um, and uh, it was, <laughs> yeah, home, yeah, homeschool. I mean, I'm sure that experience varies across the board. It's just, uh, it was like a very, um, you know, interesting time. Just being not comfortable with who I was back then. Or, you know, with a lot of different things from my background, but I can see that, see this now as something I just add to the narrative when I talk about my parents and what they did for yeah children overall. You know, this is how they were 
advocates. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's about that time you've, you've entered the belly and the beast <laughs> and you have thrived and, uh, more than survived. Uh, so I just want to thank Carlos for coming on the show and sharing his, uh, untold story. Uh, thanks for listening and we will see you soon on another episode. All right. Bye. Hey, I think you want to listen to another one, right? Well, you can do so on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or our website at beststoryinevertold.com. And for those of you who are interested in sponsoring future episodes, we would love it. Contact us at beststoryinevertold at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.